Today's episode is brought to you by Performa Sleep. Performa Sleep is the absolute best mattress designed specifically for those with active lifestyles. The Performa Sleep mattress gives you an edge as you wake up every day, whether you're headed to the basketball court or the boardroom, the gym or the jungle, the rink or the runway. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, feel confident you can try Performa Sleep for 100 nights risk-free with free returns and no annoying salesperson lingering over you while you test it out. Mattresses start at just $5.25. And just for our listeners, take $125 off plus free shipping. Just head over to performasleep.com and use the code NBA. That's performasleep.com and code NBA. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I am Chris Vern. Today we got a very special guest, John Hollinger, the former media member at ESPN and Sports Illustrated, etc. He is the creator of the often referenced PER, and he is now uh, Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Memphis Grizzlies, and he joins us today. Hey, John. Hey, Chris. Thanks Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. So let's start at the very beginning with mm-hmm. you. Um, John Hollinger, when, when you are growing up, but we'll get to when you become famous statistician, John mm-hmm. Hollinger. When you're growing up, are you baseball card collector mm-hmm. are you a athlete mm-hmm. what are you uh, gro- growing up should, with? should i be lying on a couch while we do yes, this yes yes <laughs> this is going to be the, the most in-depth john hollinger interview you've ever done uh let's see i was a humongous sports fan of just every sport from like the time i was five um way into baseball cards um uh really uh baseball was probably my first uh sport um, I mean, at the at the time, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I mean, the NFL and NBA hadn't quite become the uh, monsters they were today in terms of popularity, and baseball was kind of the thing. Um, and then um, with my, uh, I guess, mathematical bent, um, I, I became very interested in the in the numbers of baseball. Like, I knew all the guys' stats from the back of their baseball cards. Right. Uh, and uh, when the Bill James books first came out, in the early 80s, um, I was a teenager then, and I soaked all that up. Um, at the same time, when I was a kid, I was always just much better at basketball than any other sport. Um, so that got my brain churning a little bit um, as to how I could take some of the stuff in baseball and apply it toward basketball, too, because basketball really had had nothing back then. What time? Uh, at what point would you say you started messing around with statistics? Right, you say you're reading the Bill James stuff when you're a teenager. Uh-huh. Is this like stuff you were doing, like when you were in high school, you're uh-huh. trying to figure things out? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I experimented with it in in high school and college. Yes. <laughs> you experimented with stats. You go to Virginia. Uh huh. You get out of for you. Go, that's where you graduate from. Yes. You get done at Virginia, and mm-hmm. what's the job? What are you doing? Uh, I was working for a, uh, they did uh, consulting for the Department of Energy in the D.C. area. Um, what was the name of the company? It was called like Analytical Analytical Services. That was the name of the company. Uh, so uh, I mean, my major was in uh, environmental science and economics. I had a double major at okay. UVA. Uh, so I was, yeah, I was just, so I was doing that. And Is then it a I was desk just, job? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And, uh, and then I was uh, just on the side, you know, still messing around with my sports stats and everything. 
Um, now, at that point, do you care a lot about basketball yet, or are you still? Oh trying no, to yeah, I'm, baseball. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm much more into basketball at this point, and was already experimenting with the the precursors to player efficiency rating, um, and then probably the next thing that came along that really was a game changer for me uh, was the internet. Uh, right. Which, uh, for your younger viewers, there was, <laughs> listeners, I should say, there was actually a time when there was no The game internet. changer was the internet. <laughs> and you, do you remember those things? Like, you would have to, like, call this, right. like, sports line thing to get the score of some yeah. of the late games. And So you are, all right, so you get to Virginia. How long do you have the desk job doing environmental science? So I, I worked there for two years, and then uh, I was kind of uh, bored with that, and uh, so I moved to uh, Portland, Oregon. For what? Uh, because it was there. You really just... <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, hold on now. Hold on. You're in the D.C. area. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And you say, I'm done with this job. Uh-huh. I don't... This is not going to yeah, be my yeah. career. I'd gone life. out to uh, the West Coast the year before, and uh, I just I just loved it, and I really liked Oregon in particular. Did you move out there with no job? Correct. And then what did, What job did you get? Uh, I got a job at, with a uh, market research firm in uh, Portland, um, so it was like uh, taking data from market research surveys, and they had a bunch of tech clients, and you know, uh, so. And now, are got, you still working on basketball stats on the side? Yeah, exactly. That's your, like passion. Because I, because at this point, I started, I started, uh, I, I said before the internet came along, so I started uh, my website alleyoop dot com okay. at this point, and that starts when? This was uh, early nineteen ninety six. Early 96, you start alleyoop.com. Yeah, yeah. All right, and alleyoop.com is what? And it doesn't exist anymore, by the way. I typed it in. Yeah, I sold, I sold the domain. To who? Uh, it was like an educational company or something. Um, How much? I didn't, I got, it was, it was a nice payday. Really? Yeah, yeah. More, I was, I was. More than 10 grand? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, it was, it was, it was nice. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alleyoop.com. You had yeah. that many people going to that thing, huh? It was a popular. It was a. It was a good URL. To, you know, back back then you could get a, good URLs. You wouldn't. You know, now it's like Chris Vernon eight six five seven three dot com. Trust me, trust me. I know. Um, so okay, so you sell or you've got alleyoop dot com. Uh huh. How and you've got this job that you're bored with. Uh huh. Right. Is that yeah, fair yeah. to say? Yeah. So yeah. alleyoop dot com becomes your passion. Yeah. Exactly. And exactly. that's what turns into a media job. Uh, yes. Uh, cause the next thing that happened for me was, uh, so this again is, uh, back, try to imagine a time when newspapers were not yet on the internet. Okay. They, they would just send out a paper product in the morning and, <laughs> and people would read that. Um, and, uh, so, uh, the Portland Oregonian was, uh, basically taking the first steps to going online and they needed somebody to do sports, and because uh, so, they don't know what they're doing, yeah. So you I got this yeah, successful yeah, so, basketball. Exactly. Website. So I heard about this through friend of a friend, and uh, and uh, was able to get my foot in the door there. Um, what is because uh, obviously all the archives are gone. Alleyoop dot com was like if I went to it, are you writing? It was the pre. It was. Doing... It was. So it was like my per diem columns at ESPN. Okay. Um, and. Uh, it, it was this, it was the same type of thing. So I was I was writing stuff, um, I, uh, probably pretty close to every day, and uh, and posting my uh, my stats there. By by this point, I pretty much had 
PER pretty close to what the the formula is now. Is it just you? Yes. Just you. Yep. Okay, so you were running the website. Yep. This turns into a job uh, editing for the Portland Oregon, Oregonian. Yep, yep. And at what point now, how does PER, you've worked on it since when? How long, how long did it take you to come up with the formula, would you say? Um, it's hard for me to really say because there was so much, there were like iterations of it, so... I came up with something and I posted it, but I was uh, still tweaking. And this probably went on for a few years until I really had something that I was happy with. And sort of this final form came out in, uh, I guess it would be 2002 when my first, when my when my book came out. That was really the final form that it's been in for the last 15 years. Pro basketball perspectives. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So so by that time, you tweak it for a couple of yeah. years. Is there a moment where you finally like plug it in and it comes up Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain? Like it, right. up, like it seems like all the right answers and you're like I got it. Why? Yeah. Yeah, there was there there was something pretty close to that where it was like, okay, this this 100% passes the smell test. This looks right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um and uh I cuz in I'm the ch- first version of PER, Rick Smith was the greatest player of all time and you knew you had to tweak. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Rick Smith by the way. <laughs> You're like, this isn't right. There's got to be a number off in here, right? It was either him or Vern Fleming. Yeah. I can't I can't can't remember who. So is that really them. what's happening though? You're just you keep on tweaking this until it looks right? Uh yeah, until it looks right and until I mean obviously uh I needed all the 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 logic that went into it to be consistent too. That that that's what, I mean I I cared I cared that it that it looked right obviously but I needed to make sure that it but I needed to make sure that it um uh th- that the mathematics behind it were totally logical as well. Um, Who did you run it by? Did anybody help you with it? No. You're a loner. Yeah. A lone wolf in the creation of PER. <laughs> I was experimenting with stats. Were... I was a loner. <laughs> yeah, you Sitting know. All the <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about this, John. So you are coming up. So then when PER finally comes out, do you realize at the time this is going to be big? No. Or do you think this is just something that's cool and there's a bunch of basketball nerds that care about this? Could you have ever envisioned that it would be regularly referenced? That like I don't don't know. I'm trying to. Absolutely not. First of all. I thought somebody would invent something better that would blow it out of the water I'm within a couple of it. years. I'm working on it. I, it's not going well. I, I I hadn't really pictured you as being the guy <laughs> doing that, so. but you know, I, I thought somebody. I thought, thought somebody would. You thought somebody would come along with something better than PER. Mm-hmm. And uh, then um, I just I I never anticipated all of the things that that happened after that. Uh, so uh, to to follow on a you know sort of the biographical story. So um, after uh, about three years in Oregon, um, which was good experience for me because I got to do things like cover the Blazers and and get you know get some experience on a more face to face level with the league. I um, this is actually a great story. Um, 
I uh, I was talking to a friend about, um, you know, I'd always really admired those Bill James books. I'd always wanted to do something similar to his books, but for basketball. Um, and so a friend, I was talking to a good friend of mine. He said, he said, well, you always wanted to do that book thing. You know, maybe you should go ahead and try it. And uh, so I, I had no idea how to get a book published. Um, so... <laughs> I bought Getting Your Book Published for Dummies. No, you didn't. I swear to God I did. Shout out to the dummies people because son of a gun if that didn't work. You bought How to Get Your Book Published for Dummies? No way. This is the... This is an amazing story. This is the genesis of the pro basketball perspective? Yes. Holy mackerel. Okay. And it works. It, I, I would say I followed what the, the steps. Basic, what were the, the basic? Tenets? I mean, you, you write a book proposal. Showed you how to write a book proposal. Uh, you know who are the people you needed to get it to. Um, was able to get it in front of a publisher in New York. This thing and, is uh, this. The, you know how many copies we're going to sell of this book on Amazon today? People, like everybody that's listening to us, like you know what? I always kind of wanted to get a book published too. <laughs> it works. It, yeah. 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 Shout out to yeah. the dummies. Yeah. yeah. Wow. All yeah. Right. So it does work, and you pitch pro basketball prospectus. Yeah. 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 And they say yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. Do you have any idea how many the first copy sold? Uh, well, let's see. I have. The first uh, edition? So there would be my mom, my dad, uh, three sisters, and no, a brother. Come on. So Seriously. Six. Um, Seriously. I, it, Thousands? I'm. I don't even know if we got to thousands. I'm not. It did. How did people buy it? Again, um, we're going back to pre-internet. <laughs> Amazon, Amazon did exist by this point. But were you carried all over the country? Oh yeah, no, that, you could see it. You could see it in like Barnes and Noble and stuff. All over though. Yeah. Oh yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. So you did have good distribution on it. Yeah. But yeah. you don't know how well the first one did. It it did well enough for that they picked up a second edition, right? Uh yes, yes. Uh, so there ended up being four editions, I think. Um, Why'd you and, stop doing the book? Because you got a... Well, I was at ESPN by that point, and um, they proposed that I just do everything for it online the, the, uh, oh. by the time I went to ESPN. And did, they, did you sell it? Uh, did you, you sell Pro Basketball Prospectus? Or did somebody just take it over? The name... The, na the name... I never... I never had... I'm trying to remember what the agreement was with this... But it was something like, because, you know, there was Baseball Prospectus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my publisher also had an arrangement with Baseball Prospectus. So, like, they were able to get that name for my book, too. Okay. But I never really had it. Okay. So. I understand. Okay, so in terms of. You know, that wasn't in the Dummies book, so I don't really know how that, <laughs> how that all worked. So, there is a stop at Sports Illustrated before ESPN. Uh, yes. So where the book really helped was that I was able to show that to the people at SI. Right. And say, you know, here's here, what I did. Here, I'm legit. Um, and so they hired me as, a, as an NBA editor uh, at SI.com. Okay. And they were based in Atlanta at the time. Uh, so and then you were at ESPN from, for how long? I was at ESPN for eight, eight close to eight years. So early 05 to late 2012. Now, if I go to ESPN's page uh -huh. and I pull up stats, uh -huh. still on the top right corner, uh -huh. it will say Hollinger player st statistics. It will say Hollinger team statistics. Mm -hmm. Do they own that? Did you sell that to them? No, What's the no deal on this? it was just a handshake. It was just when I left there, 
they they told me, you know, can we just keep your name up on these stats until we figure out, you know, what we're what we're going to do next with them? And nobody ever did. They had there was Hollinger power rankings, too. And finally, late last year, I think uh, that was that was. Uh, oh, that was the first one to go. Ushered the off into, power the, into the power rankings in the sky now. But um, uh, yeah, I, I'm. When you left ESPN to take a job in the front office at the Grizzlies, uh-huh. it was just they just said, "Hey, do you care if we keep putting these stats up?" And you're like, "No, nah, I don't care." No, I mean it was yeah, it was wasn't hurting me any. And there uh, is no quote owning that, you no. know, like there is no, there's there's nothing to own. Yeah, I mean, so it's, so it's actually kind of good that they call them Hollinger stats because they could just call it PER. And yeah, not give you or, any credit, or, right? or Vernon stats that or something. Be that would be, be horrific. Um, all right, as t- as time has gone on, you have now seen this. So many sp- sports fans, and specifically basketball fans, become so much more in tune about. Is it odd to you to see how much more in tune people are with uh, advanced statistics and metrics now as compared to? I mean, you were writing about this stuff for a long time, and it feels like the niche is no longer niche. That there is now. A, a widespread proliferation of basketball fans yeah. understanding and dissecting this type of stuff. It's odd and amazing at the same time. I never imagined 15 years ago that it that it could uh, happen like this, where stuff that I would have written even five or six years ago that would have been like a breathtaking revelation is now, yeah, whatever. Everyone knows that. Right, <laughs> and uh, just just the the leaps that have been made in this sport so quickly. I I I guess using baseball as my model again because they right. were kind of first, and it was so. Uh, I guess baseball is a more traditional, a little more closed minded right. uh, uh, sport as well. But it took so long for there to be any level of acceptance of the stuff uh, that that Bill James was doing that I just figured it would be the same thing in basketball and uh it's actually been a much more rapid acceptance process in in basketball there are with every stat right there are criticisms of as there mm-hmm. were with your per or there sure. are there are some people that just discount it um not discounted but rather like it doesn't take this into effect or it doesn't take this into effect right okay when you look at all the other ones that people reference i just want to get john hodger's perspective on these things what do you think about win shares uh, I think it's I think it's useful. Um, it's uh, I mean that's more of a, a quantity stat, right? Uh, it it can be useful for doing big picture stuff, for evaluating large sets of data, um, for evaluating uh, careers. Uh, I think some of the stuff that uh, on the when I was on the writing side are some very interesting arguments. I think wind shares can be helpful with those. Um, for what we do on a day to day business with the Grizzlies, probably not that useful except for sometimes you may want to aggregate it into large data sets just to uh just to have it as a, as another input and see what it gives you real plus minus yeah that's uh that is a a very interesting tool um it uh it it has it has some real correlation with uh with results on the court uh probably the biggest limitation you have uh with that um you get into some real issues when you do uh when you work with lineups in the NBA um 
so you're you're you have ten different variables, right? Because there's the five guys that are on the court for you and the five on the court for the other team. But the other thing is that players are not uh, randomly interchanged and dispersed. Um, you will tend to have one five-man lineup, your starting lineup, that plays a massive amount of minutes, and then lots of other lineup combinations that play very few, and that can do uh, th- that can really do some whack things to your data. Um, in in terms of trying to, in in terms of the conclusions it will, it will give you about the relative strengths of different players because it's going to be focusing very heavily. If 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 your lineups are non-random, it's going to be you can end up with it trained very heavily on on low minute samples where the lineup happened to be different. Well, I'm glad um, you mentioned that because I, I do want to ask you about lineups because uh-huh. I think sports fans now, like I can go and I can go to even the NBA's page and yep. I can look up two-man lineups and three-man lineups yep. and four-man lineups, any different level of combination. And I'm curious just from your perspective as someone that is analyzing one specific team that you're dealing with every day, is there a – when people talk about sample size and small mm-hmm. sample size, um, at what point does does it become – reality to you you know what i'm saying like if i'm looking at a how many minutes does a unit typically need to play for it to be relevant for me to say he should be playing that unit he should be playing that combination or whatever i'd love to give you a simple answer but the truth is there isn't there is none there isn't a a hugely simple answer it's um uh the more the more, the more, the more extreme, size? the more extreme the effect, the fewer minutes you need, right? <laughs> okay. Like if we're minus a thousand, right? <laughs> we don't need that big a minute sample to figure out that something's gone way wrong here. Understood, but uh, but likewise, you wouldn't take into account if something was plus a thousand. Mm-hmm. You would say, ah, it needs to play a little more before we, right? Yeah. Fair it is. Well, yeah. It's yeah. usually the negative is the one that. It's almost like a confirmation of, right, like they suck when they play this and this guy together, and mm-hmm. then you see the data, and it's like, okay, I don't need to, like, yeah, it pretty much confirms what I'm watching with my yeah, eyes. Yeah, and but especially wonder, where, where it's interesting with us is because um, we've had, now it's going to be a little different this year, but the last couple years we had a lot of roster continuity so that we could look over multiple years, and now you're getting into really big uh, right. chunks of data where where we could see um uh where we could see different combinations and and how they affected each other offensive rating and defensive rating yeah i probably don't uh don't use that a ton um i just think there are better proxies for those things um so those being those being referenced as he has an offensive rating or a defensive rating, just in your mind's eye, you don't sit there and go, "That's relevant to I, me necessarily." Yeah, and it's not to take anything away from it. I mean, I understand it's it's very it's very coherent in what it's trying to. Okay, why are you? Not, why are, why is it not something extremely relevant to you? Uh, I, I, I would probably. I don't understand the stuff all that well, honestly. Like I mean, in terms of I mean, how like, well do they, it's how well do you play offense when the guy's on the court? How well do you Correct. play defense when the guy's on the court? But that's that's with the five man team, and there's lineup effects and all that. So I'd rather I'd probably rather delve into the you think it's very difficult the lineup to isolate effects. one guy. Yes, that that would be accurate. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay, I do get it then, John. 
I might as well. I might as well come up with the new PER. The Vernon, the, the, Vernon, the, Vernon the, ratings. The, the, the they may. They ratings. may be changing that link no, right now. Nobody wants it. Has any of your like for those that are listening that were big fans of you and grew up reading you? Um, have your the numbers like well, let's say PER will forever be PER. You have done no tweaking to it. Um, is that so? Like your draft rater. You know that was a big column that you came out with every year, analyzing uh-huh. college players, etc. Uh-huh. Um, like, what of the stuff that we got used to reading you write about? What has changed since, let's say, you were at ESPN and you became a front office member of an NBA team? Um, I would say the the stuff that deals with projections has changed a ton from. Draft? From the way I did, not just draft. I mean, I would project player stats for each season too. Um, when I was at ESPN, right. So that has changed a ton. the uh, The basic nuts and bolts formulas um, have haven't changed at all. I mean, pure point rating is still pure point rating. You know, right. offensive rebound percent, defensive rebound percent. I mean, and re- really, why would they change? It's like batting average. You know, it's asking like asking someone in baseball, have you changed the formula for batting average? Well, no, it's been the same since like 1880, you know? <laughs> so, uh, th- th- um, but your player projections would be different now than what they once were in terms of how you get to the numbers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And part of that is just, we have access to so much more now. Um, and more advanced stats, especially. Give me something um, that's been a breakthrough for that. Something that you now have access to that you maybe didn't when you were writing about basketball analytics for so long. Uh, seasons of data from the three-point era, for one. Interesting. I mean, they you know they initiated the three in the in the eighties, but nobody really used it for ten years, and then they moved the line way in in uh, nineteen ninety six, I think. So that gives you like two years of of data that's completely out of uh, out of line with everything before and after. Um, and really, once you get to the turn of the century is where you start seeing things, uh, you start getting into those teams like Sacramento, um, you know, maybe late era Houston with Olajuwon was maybe the first one to kind of do it, but that was the short three point line era too. Um, but, uh, where, where it looks more like the game is now. And so you really get some get some projectability when you start dealing with results from that. Because if you if you try to project using starts from the 70s and you end up with all kinds of weird right. outliers and stuff, like, oh, a 6'2 shooting guard, what's wrong with that? You know, right. like everyone has one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, just the game has changed too much. Right. I think that's one of the biggest differences, actually, um, compared to, say, baseball, where you have a century of data and the game is pretty much still the game. Right. Uh, and and the game in basketball has has changed. I mean, you see now when they show these replays on NBA TV, uh, from playoff games in the 70s, it's almost like you're watching a different sport. I mean, right. it just everything's so much, just the way they space the floor, the types of shots they're trying to get, the size, everything is just completely different. Athleticism is what really stands out. When you flip on and they're... Ru- you know the in, the the uh, the classic games. You mm-hmm. can even watch a classic All Star game, and there's like a couple of guys that look like crazy athletes. Like now, mm-hmm. but like now, I mean, I mean, good grief! 
I mean, like, oh, like just think about the the moment of the finals last year with LeBron chasing that guy down. He's yeah. A, there's nobody that looks like LeBron in those old films, really. Yeah, yeah, and that well, Doing and it's too, you know, the weight training. I mean, yeah. just and players are so much smarter about their bodies. I mean, in the '70s, guys were smoking yeah. cigarettes at halftime. I mean, they didn't know, you know, they're just. How did you get? When did you first get a sense? Or did you have a goal of being in a in a NBA front office? Um, how many offers had you had to become a part of a front office prior to the Grizzlies, and how mm-hmm. did you end up getting a job at the Grizzlies? Well, the real goal was to end up on Vernon's radio yeah, show, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I kind of work work backwards from there. I'm sure you hear this a lot. Yeah, so everybody. Um, w- well, you were um, on my radio show when you were at ESPN. That's that's true. So that's that right. So right. That happened. You're. I've, yeah. I've been in I've, I've been in a few That's, different studios yeah. now. There's a place across <laughs> from FedEx Forum, right? <laughs> yes, there's been, you've been to at least three different studios with me. Wow! Uh, unfortunately, my uh, my career has taken more turns than yours recently. <laughs> but it's all listen. We're on the ringer right now, for God's yeah. sakes. Yeah. All right. So, how do you end up in a front office? And did you think when you were writing for ESPN, did you was that even a goal of yours? I really thought I would just be writing for the rest of my career and and that you know and I was perfectly fine with that um I had had some nibbles from teams but it had never really been uh it it had always been situations where uh they kind of just wanted somebody to be over in the analytics box and and just kind of stay over there and and uh it it wasn't that enticing to me, given what I'd already established at ESPN. Right. Um, the difference they I were think going to put the... you in a dungeon with your computer <laughs> and then right. go say, right, tell right, us right. What, be, tell us what matters. Be, yeah, yeah. It'd be Melvin in office space down in the basement. <laughs> and uh, that was the offer. Yeah, I politely yeah. declined. Yeah, to, to go into and uh, what uh, when the Grizz when the Grizzlies approached me when when shortly after Robert bought the team, um, the. Uh, the thing that was different, obviously, was that it was uh, it was in a position in the front office where uh, I could have much more direct impact on uh, on some of the key decisions. Uh, Power. They, well, Honestly, yeah, yeah, right, uh, yeah. And you, you want to feel like your work is right. is meaningful listen and to, having yeah. an impact and and listened to. And I I knew with uh, with Robert's background and what he was trying to build that that was going to. When it is crazy how the world how the world turns, because you know, and I've told you this before, I am in that age range where I grew up reading Bill Simmons columns. I read I read your analysis, like, and weirdly enough, now Robert Perry, the owner of the Grizzlies, is you know we're around the same age. Mm -hmm. He grew up a, a religious reader of yours, so that's the bizarre thing. Like it almost like as time went on, now. Kid, you know, kids that grew up reading Bill mm-hmm. Simmons, John Hollinger, etc. They're owning NBA teams now, yeah. right? Yeah, which is, it's part of the reason that I think probably they reached out to you is because yeah. where, where he you... had always been somebody that read your stuff and thought, "Wow, this is smart, forward-thinking stuff." Yeah, hope, hopefully right. you thought that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what Chris is you really trying to job. say is that is that you I'm quite a, old. You still got a job. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> So being a media member, being a writer, and then transitioning into the front office, um, what's the biggest difference about what your perception of how the NBA works versus how it really works in terms of like decisions, 
uh, draft, trades, etc. Because when you're in the media, mm-hmm. listen, uh, as I know, you get to sit in an ivory tower and you get to criticize. And part of what you did, I mean, some of your some of your stuff was pretty biting over mm-hmm. the years, whether it was about players or whether it was about trades that teams yeah. made or decisions that coaches were making or whatever else. And so going from that to now being on the inside of the of an NBA team, what's the biggest difference about the way you thought everything was versus how it really is? Or is it about what you always thought? Uh, I would say the biggest differences are, you, you know, you think of it from the exterior sort of the way you're running uh, a fantasy football team, let's say, you know, and that it's all about the personnel uh, decisions. Right. Uh, and on the inside, there's so much other stuff you have to deal with that is absolutely vital for your success, but has nothing to do with those types of uh, decisions. Like what? Um like uh, how you do scouting, how you do um, health and fitness of players, um, who you hire to be on your staff. Uh, I mean, those decisions right there. I mean, they, they have a huge impact on, on right. winning and losing, and they, and they have they they have nothing to do with like any of the you know just trade trade draft trade draft signings. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, and then... So do you think if you went back to being a writer, you would be easier on people? Uh, I think... So actually, one of the things that changed for me, even during the time I was writing, uh, I realized this. I, very er- pretty early on, I got away from ever criticizing, or rarely at least, um, individuals on a decision and just said the organization should have done X or should have done Y. And I think really on the inside, it's been uh, backed up. There are so many layers within any organization to any decision that gets made. Nobody, nobody is the emperor who just gets to decide by themselves. I mean, that's just not how it works. Uh, Anywhere. Ever in any organization. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, so I, I think that's something that people, uh, on the outside, don't always, don't always get, and and you know you'll see it on, you know, Twitter especially has been horrible for this because it's just hot takes one hundred and one, right? You know? And so it's just I can't believe Chris Wallace did this or didn't do this or 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 if not him, you know, twenty nine other guys with with other teams, but it's trying it's, to figure out who it's, is responsible it's, it's, for whatever they, you they want are, to complain they about. Orga- they are organizational decisions at the end of the day. Yeah. He is John Hollinger. We're going to talk more about the upcoming NBA season with him. First, I'm going to tell you, it's officially basketball season, so it's time for you to ask yourself a crucial question. Where will you be watching the games? Parked on a stool in a crusty sports bar? Crammed onto a friend's couch? You can do better. With Sling TV, watch NBA basketball on your terms, on your turf. The Sling Orange service has the live hoops you love on ESPN and TNT, as well as shows, sports, news, and more on the top networks, all for just 20 bucks a month. Get instant access to must-see games, expert commentary and analysis, the best of live TV, all for one low monthly price. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and easy online cancellation. Start watching for seven days free at Sling.com. 
sling.com backslash ringer NBA. That's sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Restrictions apply. Ringer NBA shows also brought to you by Cabbage. As a business owner, you know you need capital to grow. But getting that capital can be a difficult task. That's where Cabbage comes in. Cabbage provides simple, flexible access to a line of credit to up to $100,000. Access your line from a phone or computer. You'll get a decision in minutes, and you can start your funds immediately. There are no fees to set up your line, and you only pay for what you take. Cabbage has helped 80,000 businesses with over $2 billion in funding. Go to cabbage.com backslash business today and get a $50 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K, cabbage.com backslash business. All right, John, so people know uh, with the Grizzlies last year, a historically injured team, I, you did set the record uh, in NBA history, 28 players used in a season mm-hmm. um, last year. When you When you think back to the Grizzlies last season, what are your overwhelming thoughts? Is it all about the injuries? Um, you know, the injuries really... It was a huge rash late, though, right? Mm-hmm. We, we had already played 55 games, basically. Or, so the, the injury to Mark was our 52nd game, I think. Mm-hmm. So we had already had two-thirds of our season up to that point. And, and that's the part that I probably remember more because I think of it more as having having our team I mean it was it was definitely interesting and unprecedented what happened in in March and April usually as a front office member by March your work is essentially done right because the trade deadline has passed right. um, your your hands are usually pretty much tied by that point and we were making a roster move every single day <laughs> like every single day in March and April we're doing stuff uh, I know more about injury exemptions than I ever wanted to um, and uh, uh, but we uh, so so that was and it also it, tested your depth chart in terms of your scouting department right oh because my. at some point you get to like Hey, is Jordan Farmer still alive? Right, got, <laughs> right. Like, I mean, you know, gonna, even you and start, even, but by that point in the year, the D League has usually been picked pretty clean too. Right. So you're really, you know, you're you're really moving moving further further down the list at some point. And we're, you know, we were able to to tread water with some of the guys we got and at least get into get into the playoffs. So we were happy that as a you know, as a department, we were able to come up with we were able to come up with Jordan Farmer. We were able to come up with Xavier Mumford, and at least at least stem the bleeding and get get ourselves well, into the playoffs. As a, as a guy that does so much analysis on these type of things, and you see projections, and you see like, listen, you still know all the guys that are writing about, statistical analysis, right? Yeah. And it seems to me it's very very difficult to gauge the Grizzlies because last year is almost like a okay, what what do we pay attention to to even project what this year can be. But you do read some, uh, in fact, I would say quite a few of the guys that expert in data. Mm-hmm. They say age regression, injury regression, mm-hmm. uh, whatever whatever else it may be, right? Um, and so the projections are lower this year mm-hmm. on the Grizzlies than they have been in the past. Yep. You are also a guy that does data. Why is, when you read the the data-driven projections for the Grizzlies that are rather 
down on them as a sure. A, 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 certainly not. No, no data-driven projections uh-huh. has the Grizzlies as like a home court advantage team or a top four seed in the West or whatever else. Right. What do you make of that? I guess I expected that given what our point differential was last year, even before the injuries hit, and uh, and our age profile. Um, the the thing I think that um, so what. So the question then is, what exists outside that data to that that you would that you would line up to oppose? Yeah, for that. people that are out there that are thinking, I think the and Grizzlies I, could be better than that. And, but I'm yeah. seeing all these articles saying, yeah, that, yeah. And I think the things you would juxtapose against that are are our physical conditioning, are um, the benefits we can get uh, from bringing in David David Fisdale um, and kind of opening things up, uh, taking better advantage of the three point shot, um, and uh, that that some of the guys, the younger guys that we've brought in, because really beyond those, uh, you know, the core four and a couple other uh, veteran guys, we have a lot of younger players now, uh, which we haven't really had in a while. Um, right. That uh, uh, hopefully can be uh, put put some wind in in our sails, and they're guys that you wouldn't really uh, have much of a projection for if you're doing. A statistical analysis. What do you, what do you project Wade Baldwin and Andrew Harrison as? Well, they weren't in the league last year. Uh, what do you project James Ennis as? Well, he hardly played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but we think they're guys that uh, put some uh, significant wind in our sails, and we think uh, certainly from a physical perspective, I, I think this is an eye test thing. Uh, Mark and Mike is it are in a much fair better to say? Place. I mean, everybody seems to be saying about the Grizzlies. It's just if they're healthy or not. Mm-hmm. It's fair, right? It's it's fair given the injury issues we had, and uh, you know Chandler Parsons obviously yeah. is is another one. So that was a that's a calculated risk on on our end. Okay, but why we, Chandler Parsons? I don't even we don't even have to get into the Conley stuff. Conley signed a massive deal in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Conley's been with this team for a long time, an outstanding point guard. But Chandler Parsons was probably the biggest free agent acquisition. Well, not probably, certainly the biggest free agent acquisition that the Grizzlies have ever made. He had trouble are you, making. Are you sliding it, Darko? Yes, he had trouble making it through the seasons. Um, last couple of years has not mm-hmm. been available for the playoffs. I think he played like what sixty-two games last year. Yes. Um, but you guys pushed your chips in in free agency and said we really want Chandler Parsons. Why? Uh, I think there there are two things here. So the view from ten thousand feet of the free agent market in general was that you could the choices you had last summer were to pay max money for a good player or to pay almost as much for a okay to mediocre player. And th- th- I mean that's the way that's the way the market turned out. Clear, clear clearly going the the max route for a good player was was going to be the better alternative. Uh and so that with Mike and with Chandler I think those were, those were clear decisions. Um as as far as Chandler in particular and what he brings for us uh We've never really had uh, that secondary ball handler who can create stuff for other guys, um, and uh, at the same time be a be a legitimate strong three point threat too. Um, we've had players who gave us bits and pieces of that. Uh, Rudy could score. Tayshawn could facilitate and make plays for other people. Um, you know, uh, Jeff could get his own shot. Uh, but to have to have that in the same player 
where you can, uh, you know, be that three-point threat um, and also be able to put the ball on the floor and create for yourself or others. We That's just not something we've had. And I think especially the guy who's really going to benefit from that is Mike, who basically hasn't been able to play off the ball at all in the uh, – this is my fifth season now here, uh, just because we haven't had – other people on the floor with him who could right. who could make that possible. So uh, that's what we're really excited about is that offensively that's just a weapon that we have never uh, been been able to have. And then what what that can do for the other uh, four guys who've been carrying us for the last six years now uh, when he's on the court with them, and uh, especially. You know, now you open up the floor a little, put Mark above the three-point line, and people have been so used to seeing the Grizzlies, you know, slow the game down, beat Mm -hmm. you 88-82, to Zach Randolph, Marcus all in the post, and then just as someone like the the other night, there's a Grizzlies preseason game, you play against the Houston Rockets, they shot (laughs) 44 threes, the Grizzlies did. Now that seems extreme, but Uh do, do you think that it is... The Grizzlies and the way they are playing now, and you had referenced Fisdale earlier, do you think people are going to be shocked when they tune in and watch the Grizzlies play this year? Was that an extreme outlier, or is this going to be commonplace where the Grizzlies are now a team that shoots a ton of threes like many other of their peers? Um, I would say... four is outrageous. I would say yes to both. Now, it was a double overtime I game. Hey, but also, I mean, if we get 44 open threes, we're going to take 44 threes, okay? Those are good shots. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't you take those? There's no There's no too much or too little, right? right. It's all about the, it's all about the the quality of the shot, right? You know, if you're just dribbling up and chucking off the dribble with a hand in your face and right. then no, that's a terrible shot. It doesn't matter if it's a 3 or a 2. Right. Uh but if we get open threes, we feel like we we have the shooters to make those shots now, really at every position. I mean, we had all we had. Th- this is where I really did a double take and was like, "Is this, is this our box score?" We had all five starters make at least two three pointers in that game, <laughs> which is like never <laughs> happened in a season. <laughs> yeah, ever, yeah. ever, ever, ever. Certainly not with us. No, and and forty four threes is uh-huh. like a half season total. For the amount of of attempts that the Grizzlies have taken. You know, I mean, honestly, 44 shot attempts, that's that's Mark and Zach, Mm -hmm. you know, down within six feet of the basket usually. That's where 44 shot attempts have come. But the the Grizzlies are, people have called them dinosaur ball. They're the Uh last to evolve. Uh That's not so anymore in your mind. When people watch the Grizzlies, they're going to see a... What, different type of the franchise way, the than way, what they're used the to. The way we play offense is going to be different from the way we have played offense in the past. I think that's definitely true. We're still we're still we're still going to post up. We're still going to have that defensive mentality. Right. Uh but I think we're going to be doing it out of a much more open floor and a much more uh three-point minded Attack because if you look, we're still getting a bunch of paint shots. We're still getting a ton of free throws. Um, where what we've really done is replaced a lot of long twos with threes, mm-hmm. and that's that's Good something pain. I've been yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I did the I did about? I did the math on this, and three <laughs> is more than two. Over the course of uh, all right, so with the season coming up, um, and it's going to be starting next week. Your overwhelming thoughts on uh, forget the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. just your 
overwhelming league-wide thoughts going into this year, the things that you are thinking about the most about this upcoming NBA season, is it Golden State? Is that on everybody's mind, no matter whether you work for a team or you just analyze the NBA? You know, I mean, we saw the way it played out last year with Golden State, but then with Durant going there this year, um, you know, just like what matters to you or what that's not necessarily Grizzly specific? Uh, I think certainly you look at Golden State and it's it's fascinating um, to to see how that's going to work out. And also as one of their competitors, you scratch their head, your head a little bit and say, okay, we got to we got to figure out how (laughs) How we're going to deal with deal with this, you know? Uh, It would would be, you know, you'd you'd like to have three Tony Allens for that game and and put them on all three guys, but you can't you can't do that. So you got to figure something else out. Um, But I mean, that's 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 part of the great challenge in this. At the at the same time, it's tough. It's tough to get too deep into what another. You're so the thing that changes in this job from say a media job is. You're uh you're kind of an inch wide and a mile deep, right? You're so into what your own team right is doing. You you just have less time to think about the other the other twenty nine. Right. And I mean, we're still watching their games, evaluating their roster, trying to put ourselves in the heads of their front office as to what what moves they would make because that's how that's how you generally can come up with right with, with advantages, good, good trade advantages and trade ideas. Um, but uh, uh, it's you're. It's tough. It's tough to get back to that place where you're looking at it as as a fan. You can't do it anymore. It's 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 really hard. It's easier to do actually with with like the European leagues or colleges, which we're scouting and watching all the time, but we don't have any skin in the game. Right. So it's probably a little easier when we watch those. I am going to go and work on the uh, Vernon stats so that uh, I when I go to ESPN.com and I click on the stats page in the top right corner, it no longer says. Hollinger statistics, uh-huh. Hollinger team statistics. I'm going to uh-huh. petition them to get those replaced with the Vernon stats. But I've got to obviously I got to work on. I've getting told them. I've told. I've told them they can't make that change until I get a sandwich named after me in Memphis. <laughs> I do have that. He is John Hollinger. Thanks for coming on the podcast. John. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. That is the Ringer NBA show. Today's episode brought to you by Sling TV. It's finally basketball season. Where are you watching the games? At a crusty sports bar crammed onto a friend's couch? You can do better. Sling TV. Watch NBA games on your terms and your turf. The Sling Orange service has hoops on ESPN and TNT, plus more live TV on top networks. All for 20 bucks a month. No long-term contracts, no hidden fees. Start watching for seven days free at sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Sling.com backslash ringer NBA. Restrictions apply.